Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. Hey friends, happy Thursday. I am so excited to be coming to you today for a bonus episode of the Living Center Podcast where we're going to be diving into the topic of narcissism, and we've brought back a podcast listener favorite, therapist and clinician Cindy Westcott. You may recognize Cindy from episode two, Living Centered in the Face of Trauma, and our bonus episode, Living Centered in Our Grief. For today's episode, we're sharing a conversation we recorded when we filmed our newest emotional wellness class, Identifying Narcissism, Protecting Ourselves from People and Patterns That Harm Us. We took the chance to ask Cindy a few specific questions about how narcissism shows up in our life and relationships. Narcissism is a bit of a hot topic lately, and it's a word that can get a lot of spotlight without much intentional definition or thought to the impact of what that label means. Today's conversation will hopefully ground the topic for you a little and give you a glimpse into the expertise and practical application Cindy brings to this topic and our newest class. Let's get started. Cindy, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time today. I'd love for you to just start by giving us a framework for narcissism. I feel like today we have a bit of a convoluted understanding of what narcissism actually is, so How is it defined and how is it misunderstood? Well, it's certainly a word that we hear all the time today. It's kind of casually thrown around or people label people narcissistic. And generally what they mean is they mean that person is vain or self-centered. And of course, that is a component of narcissism, but it's not even close to what is needed to begin to explain the phenomenon that we call a personality disorder. So in the mental health field, we have a guidebook called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And uh, mental disorders, so to speak, are kind of divided into two classes. One is actual mental disorders, which are usually uh, genetic and um, biochemical and can be treated with medication and things of that nature. But then we also have personality disorders. So personality disorders are pervasive ongoing patterns of thinking, feeling, and behavior that are highly predictable. And they're sort of embedded in just that, a person's personality, and they're very resistant to change. And so rather than being labeled mental illnesses, they're simply sort of part of a person's personality, and they impact generally everything that they do and how they think and how they behave toward others. So narcissism is a trait, but it's also a personality disorder. And in order to get an actual diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, there has to be a certain number of those traits, and they have to continue day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. They're sort of embedded in who the person is. And one of the reasons we need to understand that is because the person with a personality disorder is not likely to benefit from therapy, not likely to be motivated to change. It's really important to understand that all of us probably from time to time, at least in life, have a narcissistic trait or two or three. A lot of people will hear the checklist and be worried that they're narcissistic or that they have this personality disorder. It's really important to understand a trait or two or three does not mean a person is suffering from the entire disorder. And that means a lot. There's a lot of reasons we need to focus on that differentiation. 
So all of us can be self-centered from time to time, difficult to get along with, uh, less than loving or less loving than we would like to be. We disappoint people. All of that's just part of being human. Okay, so that's super helpful in helping identify the distinction between someone that may have self-centered tendencies and someone who genuinely has narcissistic personality disorder. So I'd love to talk a little bit about how this might look in our relationships. First, how does narcissism play out in romantic relationships? A lot of women in particular, we're taught that if somebody has an interest in us and we're kind of uh, not sure or we say, well, I'm, you know, not tomorrow or whatever, they will continue to push. We're taught that the person who continues to push and ignores our, our resistance must really care a lot about us or must really be interested or they leave flowers on the car. They just, they won't leave us alone. We're taught, unfortunately, to disregard our gut and say, oh, well, this person really cares about me. I should be flattered. Well, in reality, what is being demonstrated is that person really has no regard whatsoever for what you want or how you're responding or reacting. It's, I want what I want and I'm going to get it one way or another. It's striking how the storyline of having a narcissistic partner romantically or in marriage is. And again, in the beginning, it is too good to be true, makes us feel alive like we've never felt before. The narcissistic person will tell us that we are their soulmate or that we knew each other in a past life or I've never met anybody like you. Uh, studies have shown that that narcissistic person tends to say exactly the same things to anybody that he or she is trying to attach to. And it's always that message of, uh, this is magical. Uh, you're the only one who can save me. You're the only person who ever understands me. So those relationships begin like that. And at some point, once there's a connection made, once that other person is vulnerable or shows vulnerability, the narcissist begins to, the word I hear oftentimes is, turn on them. So it's they no longer see them as special. They start withholding that praise or love or affection. Um, they begin to be critical. They begin to lie or maybe they attach to somebody outside of the relationship. Affairs are very common in narcissistic people. And also the message to the partner, you're, you're crazy if you think there's an affair going on, you're out of your mind, uh, lying will start, etc., and the person in love with the narcissist, again, unless they know what's happening, will often spend many, many years um, putting everything they have into getting back the magic of the beginning of the relationship. So it's an education process. It's, it's a relationship that our pain is going to take us at eventually for help outside of the relationship. Also understanding that there's a possibility you can stay in the relationship. <laughs> uh, probably by the time you do your healing, though, you probably won't be interested in staying in the relationship, but you may. So it's a, it's a painful experience that sends us on a journey uh, to ourselves that can bring us to more happiness and wholeness than we ever imagined. I love how you were talking about that journey back to ourselves. I think a lot of times when we talk about narcissistic relationships, we often think exclusively of a romantic relationship. But I know that you have mentioned in the past, and I've heard you talk about um, just the relationship between having a romantic relationship and having grown up with a narcissistic parent. 
Can you speak to what it looks like to have a narcissistic parent and also how it might affect us as an adult? There's several things that are very predictable about a narcissistic parent. Um, One of the most striking things that is very predictable is the narcissistic parent most of the time has a favored child and a disaster child. The favored child is the person that they tell themselves is just like they are, uh, is elevated, is special, is better than, just like they are. So they're not actually seeing that person as a whole person, but they're using that child as a mirror for themselves, uh, somebody to focus on, somebody that they can deny their own dependency with regard to, I'm their parent, it's not that I really need them. And then they have a child that is usually a more sensitive, quiet child that they project the part of themselves they can't accept onto. So the narcissist has this elevated, better than imagined self and attaches that to this child and has this human, flawed, weak, sometimes criminal or uh, abusive or things that really are not something that they can own, and they will project that onto the weaker child. So oftentimes people that grew up with a narcissist were told things about themselves. They didn't even know what that meant. Uh, Extreme example, a mother who tells um, her daughter at six, seven, eight years old that she's a whore. (laughs) Can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Obviously, a child of that age who has no clue about what that is, but when you get told that, you begin to question it because, of course, you're a child. So the things that are abusive that are coming toward that child are unfathomable, uh, cruel, and have the energy behind them where that child feels literally like the parent wants them dead. So people that grow up having had a narcissistic parent often have an internalized narcissistic parent and speak to themselves relentlessly, coldly, with cruelty, and sometimes with even, you shouldn't be here. You're a burden. You're nothing. So that behavior will turn into an internalized voice that now now talks to the person who underwent that uh, in the same way that the parent did. Narcissistic parents are also very difficult to leave. So if you have an adult person who's still trying to win over their parent, can't move out of the town because they feel responsible for their parent, uh, believe that it's their job to fill up the parent or make the parent proud rather than the other way around, that is part of the impact, is people feeling like they can't differentiate, which is in our DNA, to become who we are, to separate, individuate, create our own life. With a narcissistic parent, that is a threat to them. Anything that we do that's not who they are, believe we are or need us to be, or any separation from them, again, is seen as a threat. So it's uh, diminished, shamed, or not allowed, etc. So the inability to find out who I am and live my life the way that I want to from within is a big impact from a narcissistic parent. Again, the inability to be heard, the inability to be seen, feeling like no matter how hard I try, I can't get that person to understand or respond to me appropriately rather than shutting me off or shaming me for needing to be heard. The long-term impact of that is questioning oneself, being more vulnerable to narcissistic partners in adult life, uh, lots of negative self-talk. 
inability to um, live my life from within and be who I am and having a lot of energy around matching what people think I need to be or helping my narcissistic parent create this image, among other things. So very, very painful to have a narcissistic parent and impossible to get what we think we need from them in order to feel whole. They're, they cannot own their behavior. And so we're sort of left in limbo. We're left in this in-between place and feeling paralyzed and directionless. Thanks so much for spelling that out for us. I would imagine that in any relationship with a narcissist, there would be a desire or a tendency to really want to bring about change in the dynamic and maybe even a temptation to change the other person. But what I've learned from you and even in my own life and doing my own work is that we can't change anyone else. We can only change ourselves. And in the class, you mentioned that we don't have to stop loving the person, but rather start to do the work on ourselves and begin to have a clear understanding of who we're dealing with and further understand why they're behaving in the way that they are. I think you even talk about learning to eventually stop expecting anything different from them because they don't have the resources to be different or to do differently. Um, And he maybe even will be able to accept that this is who the person is over time. So can you speak to that tension that we might feel in loving the person, having empathy, but also maintaining boundaries and accountability and doing that well? Well, beginning with self and my difficulty, if I have an inherent or innate difficulty holding other people responsible, if I have some codependency or whatever you may want to call it, uh, being overly empathetic with people, making excuses for people, I may have to take a look at that first. Um, Trust me, uh, we don't have to lend the narcissist our empathy or feel sorry for them because I promise you, and I don't mean to be flip or sarcastic, they will provide themselves with that fully, wholeheartedly, and all the sympathy that they need will be given to them by themselves. The thing that's hard to fathom is the narcissist will not feel Uh, or will not allow themselves to feel less than or accountable or anything other than that image they have of themselves. So our empathy is not helpful for them or for us. Um, They do know what they're doing. They're very conscious of it. Uh, That doesn't mean they have the tools to change it or that they wish to. But we know that their behavior is different depending on who's present. So they know their behavior is inappropriate or hurtful. And by and large, they're going to behave that way only when uh, they can get away with it or get by with it. So just beginning to acknowledge that piece and understanding that our empathy or our sympathy or whatever it is also cannot change them, won't change them, and that we're not doing them any good or not really helping them by lending them that in the world. Because They function less well in the world if no one's willing to hold them accountable. They don't have an opportunity to learn. So I've heard you say that being in a relationship with a narcissistic person, whether it's a boss, a friend, especially a romantic partner or a parent, can really make us begin to question our reality. It's hard to name exactly what's happening and we we just begin to not trust ourselves. What would you say to someone who has lost trust in their ability to accurately assess the relationship? In a relationship with a narcissist, people will feel continuously, with regard to that person, continuously anxious, confused, 
They will feel that that person is contradictory. Their brain will spend a lot of time trying to figure that person out. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty in that relationship. One of the best ways to know if we're in the presence of a narcissist, and there's actually some research on this, is that we feel it in the pit of our stomach. We feel it in our body. We feel a sense of something's in disarray, something's not quite right, something's not fitting here. So the body, always telling the truth, tells us something's not okay. When we're with a narcissistic person, we're going to feel exhausted. It is an exhausting relationship. It's mentally, physically draining. Again, a lot of times that won't even be in our awareness. Depression, inability to sleep, second-guessing ourselves, losing interest in the things that we used to enjoy, feeling strangely guilty or less than most of the time, beginning to be phobic of other people, having lots of anxiety about just general stuff in life we've always done. You know, those are the things that will begin to happen um, energetically as we remain in this relationship if we don't understand and realize what's actually happening. Cindy, as we wrap up, can you leave us with a small piece of encouragement? Let's say I'm listening to this and I'm daring to start to name the patterns, maybe for the first time um, in my relationship or relationships, and I'm not sure what to do next. What would you suggest? So if you're a person who has realized or or is beginning to come to terms with that this may be an issue in your life, then please know this. You have time. This isn't going to happen overnight. You can heal. And the key is to just begin. You don't have to know everything right off the bat. You're not going to about the journey or the path to find your way back to yourself. But just begin in small ways small ways to take care of yourself. Little tiny moments are how we start to get back to ourselves. Understand the most normal, healthy thing in the world is to be a human who needs other humans, who needs support from others. So start there. This is not something you need to do alone or that you can do alone. And that is not a negative thing in any way. It means you're normal. And however you're feeling, remember that you're having a normal response to an unusual and abnormal situation, although it's a lot more common than we would like to think. Find a friend that can identify or find a friend that you just feel safe with. And as we know, relationships such as this can become almost addicting. So we wanna make sure that we find friends, but that we also make a determination that we're going to start to take action on our own behalf. So sometimes that means a therapist or a support group beyond just talking to friends. So with regard to self-care and beginning change, it's small baby steps in the moment, finding out that you're not paralyzed, you're not stuck, you can begin to have movement. And being kind to yourself is the key. Mm, Thanks so much for that practical encouragement. Cindy, I just really loved how you talked about having a normal response to an abnormal situation. Because so often, I think when people get caught in these relationships and are in these dynamics, they begin to really question what is true, what is not. And so I think just calling that out was so graceful and so grounding, especially um, for anyone that may be there today. I feel like this is going to be a really powerful resource for people. And I just want to remind anyone listening that they are not alone on this journey. So thanks for coming alongside us today, Cindy. This interview piqued your interest in this topic and you'd like to learn more, 
We'd love to invite you to check out our newest emotional wellness masterclass, Identifying Narcissism, Protecting Ourselves from People and Patterns that Harm Us. You can head to onsiteworkshops.com slash classes to learn more and also see the other classes we offer. Make sure to use the code podcast at checkout to get $20 off this and any of our other classes.